Romans chapter 13 tonight. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Tonight we're going to be looking at four verses here in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, in a sermon that I've titled, Rest Assured, God is Still in Control. Romans 13, 11 through 14, Rest Assured, God is Still in Control. Several years ago, there was a TV show that aired about people who were preparing for doomsday. Convinced that the world was coming to an end in our lifetime, which it may, people went through all sorts of ends to stockpile goods to make sure that they would be secure in the event of some nuclear fallout. Around that time, other TV shows popped up teaching about how you could survive out in the wild under the craziest circumstances. One particular show that I watched several times followed two men each episode, and each episode they played out a different scenario as to how they ended up in some remote location miles away from civilization with maybe a backpack worth of filled with a few items or not even that, sometimes just a handful of things maybe in their pocket and random stuff on top of that. And they were just dropped in the middle of nowhere, again, miles away from anywhere, and they had to utilize what they had on their person and utilize what was available to them in nature to find their way back to civilization. They needed to adapt to each situation and figure out really how to maximize each of the few items they had, how to stretch these things to last as long as they could because they didn't know how long they were going to be left out there. They didn't know how long it would take to make it to civilization. And I found it interesting because they showed a lot of neat things. They showed how to, for instance, make fire in the middle of a rainforest where everything is soaking wet, drenched in water, and it's harder than it sounds. They showed different methods to start a fire with just a couple sticks. Sometimes we, we think of the, just rubbing two sticks together. It's actually several different methods to go about starting a fire uh, by rubbing sticks together. They showed how to look for certain plants out in the middle of the wilderness or out in the middle of a rainforest or in the desert area. Wherever it may be, there are certain plants that can be used for food. There are certainly certain plants that need to be avoided as well. Uh, but they went through all of these different things and, and talked about what could be useful. They showed how to, and for those who are... Pet-friendly people, they showed how to make traps to catch small animals that could provide vital nourishment in such a setting. Uh, there were all sorts of useful tips offered for situations where you're left with almost next to nothing to work with. And I enjoyed watching that show, not because I was nervous about some catastrophic event happening where I thought I was going to be rendered completely helpless with just maybe a pocket knife or a couple of toothpicks or something like that to figure out how to survive off of. But I enjoyed learning about how people can use different things in nature to their benefit. God has created this world for our enjoyment. And we should explore it. We should learn about it. We should utilize what God has provided and recognize that every part of his creation points right back to him. All of it is Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It talks about how nature and creation do the same. We don't go as, as often as we like, but my family and I, we really enjoy going hiking. Uh, it, it's difficult at times with some little ones who are just learning to walk to, to get out there. And um, I, I wish Levi would just learn to walk already and then we can just, you know, push him and, and go on on ourselves. But it's, it's fun just to be outside. And it, to be outside, cold weather, warm weather, whatever it is, just to 
breathe some fresh air. It's boring at times, and you, you have this almost claustrophobic feeling when you're cooped up inside for long, extended periods of time where just stepping outside and then breathing in fresh air, even if it's freezing cold out there, it's just good to do that. It's good to see the beauty of God's creation. It's fun to go on a hike and see a waterfall. It's fun to teach your kids how to skip some rocks across a lake. It's fun to encounter unique creatures so long as they're smaller than you. So when I couldn't sleep at night, sometimes I would watch these types of TV shows that showed stuff like this, where people are going outside and and they're in nature and they're utilizing different tools and utilizing plants and utilizing things that God has given to us. But many people watch shows like this because they were genuinely concerned that the world was coming to an end and such skills were gonna be necessary for them in order to survive. If we're not careful, we can easily get carried away thinking about such things. When we lived in Florida before we moved back up here to New York, hurricane season provided the perfect opportunity for people to panic and for others to profit off of that panic. I thought it interesting how every tropical storm that the uh, the weathermen were were, were following, they were tracking all out in the Atlantic Every tropical storm somehow was projected to make landfall right where we were in Pensacola. It just, it doesn't matter how, it just, every storm that was coming, it was all projected to hit us head on. What are the chances of that? Every tropical storm out in the Atlantic was projected to come right at where we are. We would walk into the local Walmart, and instead of a person greeting you as you entered the local Walmart, there was an easel with a big display board with the projections of the next tropical storm, and wouldn't you know, it's coming right for you! And behind that were shelves stocked full of bottles of water, bandages, blankets, anything you could think of that you're going to need in a time of survival. They had it right there. As if watching and hearing about it on the, the TV and the news and, the, and uh, on the radio in the car wasn't bad enough. You come to Walmart just to maybe get a gallon of milk and now it's being blasted right up in front of you that, guess what? A hurricane is coming right at you. You need to prepare because... We're going to lose power. We're going to lose you know, everything. And you're going to need bottles of water. You're going to need canned foods. You're going to need all of these things to survive. They prayed on the fears of people. And it worked. In the few years that we lived down in Florida, we never once had a hurricane hit us directly. But yet every storm was coming right at us. Every one of them. We got a fair share of rain. But never a storm came and hit us directly. Some of us are easily swayed more than others. And sometimes all it takes is just the news report to put us over the edge. Everything can be going fine. And then there is a news article that speaks of another country developing long-range missiles that can reach all the way to where we are here in America. And then our minds begin to panic as we do some quick calculations to realize that they can reach where we are here in Latham. Are we ready? Are we ready 
to protect ourselves? Are we ready to protect our families? Do we have enough resources to last us extended periods of time if we can't get out and go to the grocery store? If there are, no, there are only empty shelves at the grocery store, should we start stocking up now on bottles of water, on canned foods, on batteries, on blankets, on everything else that we're going to need in order to be self-sufficient for any extended period of time? And then if we do gather some provisions, we're wondering, do we have enough? Can we ever have enough? Do we know how long that this is going to last? Do we know how, how much bottles of water we need? Do we, you know, what if we lose power? What if we run out of gas? What if, what if, what if? May I offer a gentle reminder? Rest assured, God is still in control. We shouldn't be living with our heads in the sand, but we also shouldn't be panicking at the latest news report or the empty shelves at the grocery store. God wants us to definitely be awake and to be alert to the various things that are happening in the world around us, but to also be remaining convinced in all of it that he's still in control. He's still on his throne. And this is what our passage tonight speaks of. So with your Bibles open to Romans 13, Follow along as I read, beginning of verse number 11, and I'll read down through the close of the chapter, verse 14. Romans 11, beginning with verse 11. Romans 13, sorry, beginning with verse number 11, and I'll read down through verse 14. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We should be living our lives with a sense of purpose, with a sense of urgency. At times, we can be very callous to the things that are happening out in the world around us, that we have no urgency at all, nothing, nothing at all makes us have this drive to have urgency, to have passion, to have eagerness to do what God has called us to do. Someone has said that it's as if the, the church is snoring through a fire alarm. While we shouldn't be swayed by everything that is happening around us, we also shouldn't be tuning out everything that is happening in the world. A man by the name of Vance Havner once said, the devil has chloroformed the atmosphere of this age. We need to take down our do not disturb signs, snap out of our stupor, and come out of our coma and awake from our apathy. A.W. Tozer wrote, God's alarm has been going off for years. Are we, are we listening? Let's wake up, you and me, the truth is that God's alarm has been going off for quite some time now. And it was even written into the pages of Scripture. That's what we're reading here in Romans 13. This is the message here. Awake, the Bible says. Awake out of sleep. That now is, is high time, the Bible says. There are several keys that I want to focus in on. Things that need to be unlocked for us to have the proper mindset in this difficult time. And the first thing I want you to notice is that we're told to be on the lookout, to be on the lookout. Again, verse 11 here says, and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Be on the lookout. The emphasis of this entire passage is on time, time. 
Paul refers to the kind or quality of time five times in these verses. Throughout the Bible, believers are instructed to know the time or to redeem the time, the Bible says. First Chronicles 12, we read about David's mighty men who were joining him. And notice what we read of a specific group of his mighty men. In verse number 32 of First Chronicles chapter 12, it says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. That doesn't mean that they had watches. That doesn't mean that they had a pocket watch so they could always discern what time it was or they knew how to tell by a sundial to, you know, it was, oh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It speaks of something else. They had understanding of the times, the Bible says, which doesn't refer to a time on the clock, but a season or a kind of time. And this is what Paul is trying to get the believers thinking of here in Romans chapter 13, and really us today. He's trying to get us to think that we are in the time between Christ's first coming and Christ's return. That there was a determined future we know that we could look forward to, which involved Christ's return. Now thinking about the future is always wise. Many people work with a financial planner and they'll make plans with regards to their future, making sure that all of their assets, all of their, uh, everything that they've earned so far will be able to carry them through all their retirement years. It gives us a sense of security when we know in at least one area we've adequately planned for our future, that at least we have financial stability for our future because we've made the necessary plans. No matter the time or season, it's always wise to factor the future into your plans. What we're told here in Romans 13 is that we need to not just be planning for the future, but to be on the lookout, to be on high alert. Don't panic, don't go into a frenzy, but live your life with purpose and live your life with urgency. Live today as if, as if it were your last. It's crazy how much we don't do this enough for spiritual matters. We're able to plan certain events based on what the weather forecast shows for the following week. We, we plan certain things with regards to our health based on what the doctor tells us that they can predict is going to happen over the next several months or years if we continue on the trajectory that we're living our life by. We plan and we make provision for the future in almost every area of our lives, but can be so blind to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We almost treat spiritual matters as if they're more incidental, convincing ourselves that the temporal plans and the changes that are, that are made as far as physical things are more necessary in the moment rather than the spiritual needs that we're going to have coming up. And this is why many people panic at the, first at the first sign of trouble or at the first news report that flashes across their smartphone or across the TV or anything else that just upsets the balance of normal in their lives. We're opening ourselves up to be easily troubled when we're not looking to God and we're not planning for the spiritual future. Resting is something that we need to do more of. It may not be popular, but it is the pathway to stability, to peace in our lives, to rest in Christ regardless of your circumstances. And it doesn't mean to just sit back and do nothing. It means to actively pursue God and to nurture your soul in the knowledge of God for the future. Be on the lookout for how you can continue to gain a closer walk with God. Be on the lookout of what areas in your life need tending, need attention, need more time and devotion with the Lord. There are always going to be people who doubt God's plan and even raise questions as to what God is still doing, if he's doing anything here on earth. 
In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verses 3 and 4, Peter dealt with scoffers, that individuals who were doubting whether or not God was still at work here on earth. The Bible says there, and knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. It seems to come up probably every 10 years or so where something happens, usually something big, that will fuel the hysteria of some people to open up the Bible and to declare that the world is coming to an end. Do you see what's happening over there in the Middle East? Do you see what's happening in the world all around us? Well, the Bible said this was going to happen. The world is coming to an end. It is happening here in 2023. Start making plans. Start getting ready for it. Sell your homes. Do these crazy things. And the Lord is returning any moment. It happens all the time. All the time. And, and you have a lot of people that buy into this hype and this hysteria. And they buy into it hook, line, and sinker. I've heard of people who sold their homes, who've quit their jobs, who've gotten rid of their pets, thinking that they're going to be gone at any moment because Christ is going to return at the rapture and someone needs to take care of these things because it's not going to be them. They're going to be gone. And lo and behold, the Lord hasn't returned yet. But there are all sorts of things that happen where rumors spread that people think that war is upon us and we're all doomed. Oh, and, and in the middle of this, God is nowhere to be found. The prophets of old faced this when they were the only voice of reason and everyone else declared that God was wrong, that the prophecy was wrong, or God was on vacation, or God was indifferent to what was happening in their lives, and it's still going on today. We may not have prophets like we do it, did in the old days, but the voice of reason seems to still be drowned out today in the, the, by the cries of the skeptics who are laughing and the scoffers who are, who are just ridiculing the warnings from the people of God. It's necessary, though, for some people to learn the hard way. There are several things that we need to be on the lookout for. First, we need to be on, on the lookout for the imminent return of Christ. We need to be on the lookout for the imminent return of Christ. We're not setting dates, but we're saying that Christ could return at any time. All the necessary conditions exist today for Christ to return today. Having said that, Christ could return in 100 years from now. Either way, believers are urged to be on the lookout for Christ's imminent return, and we've and we're given the reason there at the end of verse number 11. Again, Romans 13 verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The idea of salvation that Paul was speaking of here is so much more than just the moment that you believed on Jesus Christ. Because he's speaking to believers here. Salvation is not just a ticket that... God gives us when he saves us through his son, Jesus Christ, and then he tucks it away only to be retrieved when he calls us home and says, all right, now it's been redeemed. There is a present state to our salvation, which involves an ongoing maturity where we're daily formed into the image of Christ. Now, let me be clear on one thing. Salvation is not a process, but as part of our salvation, God is progressively forming us and preparing us in the present for the future glory that we'll behold and partake of when we're in heaven one day. And this is what we call the work of sanctification. This is done by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells us the very moment we're saved. And he's working on us, preparing us to be in heaven one day. And then we have a, a future aspect, though, to our salvation, which is what's being described here in Romans chapter 13, where again he says in verse 11, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. There is a day coming when we will finally be freed from 
all of the effects of sin. We will finally shed these old, tired bodies that get sick, see age, have aches and pains, you name it, we have it. And we'll shed it all to put on a glorified body that will enjoy everlasting joys and peace in the presence of God. You'll never again look in the mirror and see more gray hair. You'll never again wake up with your knees aching, with your joints aching, and, and wondering how you're going to even just walk down the hall to the kitchen to get breakfast. You'll, you'll never have to deal with getting tired again. Praise the Lord for that, right? I mean, just for that, I'm, I'm ready to have that glorified body. You'll never have to worry about eyesight being poor or having to put in the contacts in the morning or the glasses and cleaning them off to not see everything so hazy. There are so many things that the Lord is working with part of that glorified body that is exciting for us to look forward to. But we should be looking on the lookout for the imminent return of Christ. We should also, secondly, be on the lookout for the incentive of Christ's return. Our love for Christ should be incentive enough to be looking for his return, but God promises even more. Look again at what it says in verse number 11. It says, and that, knowing, and that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. This is not time for us to be asleep, whether individually or corporately as a church, meaning it's, it's not time for us to sit back and do nothing. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, he said, you may sleep, but you cannot induce the devil to close his eyes. The prince of the power of the air keeps his servants well up to their work. If we could, with a glance, see the activities of the servants of Satan, we should be astonished at our own sluggishness. Think about that. You know, we, we think that we're okay, that we're content doing what we're doing, the little that we're doing as Christians, knowing that there's so much more we should be doing, when we don't realize that Satan is working just as hard, even harder, pushing his agenda which is contrary to what we're working, trying to serve the Lord. He doesn't take a time out. He doesn't take a coffee break. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't tell his demons, you know what, guys, you've worked hard enough this month. Take the next month off. He's working as hard as he can. He's pushing his cohorts as hard as he can, hoping that we'll stay asleep as long as we can because that doesn't, have a, a, doesn't, doesn't stop him from doing anything. We're not standing in his way one bit. He's able to accomplish even more. If we were asleep, this is God's wake-up call for us. This is God shaking us, waking us up to pay attention. Some of us are sound sleepers. And it takes a really violent shake to wake us. Consider this, that shake. I was a very sound sleeper. Growing up, we, we lived in California at one point, and we used to have earthquakes and aftershocks, and shared a bedroom with my brother, and I had the top bunk, he had the bottom bunk. I remember several occasions where we're in the middle of an earthquake, and my brother is trying to wake me up so that we can go and take cover, and he's shaking me violently, and I'm just sound asleep. And I'm not waking up for anything, and, and finally, as I'm shaking and he's shaking me, I realize there's something up here, and I'll have to jump out of bed really quick as... Things are falling off the shelves and, and mirrors are falling. But sound sleeper or not, this is God and his wake-up call. He is trying to get our attention. It's time to wake up and it's time to get busy serving the Lord. It could be that the Lord returns tomorrow. And if the Lord should return tomorrow, don't you want to be found faithfully serving him as opposed to sitting on your couch doing nothing, looking for his return? The enemy is working double time to make sure that the service for the Lord is being weakened, so it is high time, as it says here, to awake out of sleep, to get God's work done, to get God's word out. When you look back at 
verses 8 and 9 here in Romans chapter 13. We're instructed to love one another, the Bible says, but love the way Christ loved us. Notice what it says in these two verses. It says, Own no man anything, but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Get your relationships in order. And start demonstrating love to one another. Do this by living like Christ. Do this by sharing the gospel. Do this by caring for the needs of others. Do this by comforting those that are hurting. Do this by encouraging those who are struggling. Don't let the changing circumstances dictate how you're going to live and how you're going to act. Continue to demonstrate love to those around you as Christ would do to you. So be on the lookout. But second, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Notice what we're reminded to do here in verse number 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Keep fighting. We're to cast off, it says, the works of darkness. Specifically, we talked about this in the morning, that old nature, that old man, who we were before we were saved. The old nature is just going to slow us down. The old nature is just going to prevent us from reaching our full capacity in our service for Christ. This old nature, it shows itself in several ways. We will speak harsh words to people. We'll lie. We'll judge one another. We'll get envious. We'll get jealous. We allow bitterness to spring up within us. Pride gets the best of us. This verse reminds us that while we receive Christ in a moment and while we're saved that very moment, sin continues to cling to us for the rest of our lives. We might get better at identifying sin. We might get better at feeling guilty about it, but we're still going to struggle with sin for the rest of our lives. We tell ourselves that things aren't as bad as they are because we only made a little compromise or a little exception. But before we know it, we've given more place to the devil than what we've ever realized. We have to be constant to cast off, it says, the works of darkness and do it every single day. And every day we do will make us stronger for the future. Keep fighting sin and keep staying on guard for sin's return. You're not going to fight off sin one day and it's going to leave you alone for a week. You fight it off for one day and guess what? When you wake up in the morning, it's back. The, the fight is real. It's going to knock down the door. It's not going to wait for you to just open the door when it's sitting there knocking. It's going to burst through that door and tempt you to get back to what you fought off yesterday. Keep fighting sin. Just because you were successful in fighting off a temptation one day, stay on guard for it to return tomorrow. Satan is going to do everything he can to get his foot in the door, even if it's starting with just a toe in the door, because he'll settle for that, because he knows that just that little bit of leeway, he'll eventually get more, because we'll give way, compromising little by little by little. The best way to cast off the works of darkness is to put on the armor of light, the Bible says. Again, verse number 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Think about the best way to turn away the darkness in a pitch black room. You flip a switch, right? You flip a switch, you turn on the light, and you watch the darkness disperse. It's gone. Paul was describing here the same idea, and he's using military terms. 
as he's talking about putting on armor. We can fight off the works of darkness, but we can fight off the works of darkness only through engaging in the battle. When we're engaging in the battle and only when we're adequately prepared when we enter into that battle with the necessary armor that we put on. You don't want to go into the battle without the proper armor, without the proper resources and tools and weapons. You're either fighting off the works of darkness or you're allowing them to continue in your life. A recent Barna report showed that 75% of Christians in America believe that God is all-powerful, believe that he is all-knowing, believe that he is the creator of the universe and he rules the world today. 75% of Christians. All right, now, before you think that that's great, 25% of Christians are essentially saying they don't believe that God is all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that he's the creator of the universe, and that he's in control today. That's a scary thought. 39% of those same Christians also believe that Jesus, get this, sinned while here on earth. And 58% do not believe that the Holy Spirit is an actual living being. 60% of those Christians don't believe that Satan is even real. And Satan is loving every moment of that. While only 64% believe that demons can actually affect us. Evidently, more so-called Christians are convinced that demons are more believable than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How crazy. It makes you wonder how this is possible until you find out that 33% of so-called Christians believe that the Bible and the Koran teach the exact same truth. The only conclusion that we can come to is that people clearly have not read either of these books. But can you see how important it is for believers today to wake up out of our sleep. To wake up. We're called to be soldiers for Christ. We're called to put on his armor. We're called to get busy fighting off the works of darkness. Be on the lookout. Keep fighting. And third, walk in purity. Walk in purity. Look at verse number 13. It says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Here in this verse, we're instructed to reject both public and private sins. This is not a complete list of sins, but the basic idea is clear. Regardless of the circumstances that you ever find yourself in, regardless of who is around, sin should be avoided in the life of a believer because we should be striving to walk and to live in purity. Public sins can often be easier for us to reject because even if we don't think that whatever this is that's viewed as sin is all that bad, the fear of others knowing and finding out what we're doing often leads us to shy away from doing it. But what about when no one else is around? Private sins are the hardest to reject because there is less risk of getting caught. We're not doing it around anyone. We're not doing it in front of anyone to see. And we convince ourselves that there are less people that are going to be negatively impacted by this because who's even knowing that I'm doing it? What we need to understand is that when we engage in private sins, we are rendering ourselves useless to God. Not just from the standpoint of wasting time, but we're allowing our minds to be consumed with things they have no business being consumed with. Sometimes we allow private sins to gain such a foot, foothold in our lives that we're thinking about this throughout the course of the day. Maybe there's a specific time of day that 
we indulge in a specific sin and it's a regular occurrence. That's not going to be something that you're only going to think about in the moment. It's something that you're going to be planning about and planning for throughout the entire course of the day. We arrange opportunities to indulge in certain sins when we know no one is going to be around. We, we plan out how the day is going to revolve around this specific time and, and how we're going to orchestrate it so that no one else is around and that we can find ourselves alone to do this. And what happens is that we become more self-centered than God-centered and our effectiveness for Christ immensely suffers. We need to be careful about allowing sin to have a place in our lives and to strive to walk in purity. Sometimes this means taking some serious, drastic measures to cut that sin out. This may involve some major lifestyle changes, having more accountability in your life. And if that's what's necessary to fight off the sin in your life, then do what it takes to make sure that you can be walking in purity. Walk in purity. And fourth, keep striving for more. Keep striving for more. When we determine to allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to strengthen and help and equip us, we're happier, we're healthier, and we're far more productive. But how do we get there? Many Christians are living in almost quiet defeat every single day. Many Christians are faithfully attending church. They're faithfully serving the Lord, doing their best to regularly pray, all the while feeling like there has to be more to this Christian life, as if something is missing. There seems to be some spiritual craving in their lives that is going unsatisfied. A.W. Tozer once wrote, he said, The hungry sheep look up and are not fed. It is a solemn thing and no small scandal in the kingdom to see God's children starving while actually seated at the Father's table. Maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling like you're barely experiencing God's fellowship. You're barely experiencing God's presence. That you seem to be met with just one defeat after another. That there are certain sins that you just can't overcome. That your prayer just seems to be blocked by the ceiling. That God is not hearing and doesn't even care. That there are endless series of obstacles that stand between you and living this life with confidence. There is a way out of this. God never intended on any of his children living with disappointment in this life. Rather, he wants us to live life of abundance and victory. And he's made it possible for us to do that. The answer is found for us in verse 14. Notice what it says. He says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Here in this verse, believers are called to two steps of action. First, put on Christ, he says. Think about your normal daily routine. You've woken up. Maybe it starts by having some breakfast. And maybe after that, you shower, you brush your teeth. You eventually get dressed at some point. The clothes you put on, normally are intended to be worn all day. They're to go where you go. They're to move as you move and do what you do. Your clothes are what make you presentable to others. And this is the same idea expressed here by believers putting on Christ. When you get up in the morning and you begin the prep for your day, 
Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Make him a part of your morning routine. If you're struggling to find time in the mornings for quiet time with the Lord, go to bed sooner and wake up earlier. Set the alarm clock for a little earlier than what you normally would. But read the Bible for the sake of remembering it as you go about your day. Don't read the Bible just for the sake of doing it and then checking it off a list. That's not putting on Christ. Put him all the way on. Read the Bible and devote time to just do that. Put the phone away, keep the TV off, just be alone with God. Memorize a verse if it helps. Remind yourself of that verse throughout the day. Write it down if you need to. Some people, they need to have it down. Put it on a post-it note. Stick it to your Bible. Stick it to a notebook that you're going to have with you. Put it on a three-by-five card. Stick it in your pocket so that at random times throughout the day, you can reach in and pull it out and be reminded of that verse. Do what you need to do to remind yourself of the Word of God over the course of the day. When something good happens, praise Him for His blessings. Call upon Him for help when the day gets tough. In everything you do, strive to live in Christ. Start your day by putting on Christ. That's the first call to action. The second is, it says there at the, in the middle of that verse, make not provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you will be tempted to sin. It's one thing to ask God to help steer you clear of temptation, but be sure to do your part as well. Don't tell him, Lord, keep temptations away from me. And if you have a temptation to eat a coffee and a donut every day, don't stop at Dunkin' Donuts on your way to work. Don't do it. What do you expect him to do? Swoop down and knock it out of your hands? Do your part. Don't just tell yourself that you're going to be strong enough this time to not indulge, to not give in. Run from it. Flee from it, the Bible tells us to do. The devil has a vast arsenal of weapons, and he knows how to use them better than what we give him credit for. Just because he used one tactic on you yesterday doesn't mean he's going to come at you the same way today. You may have been successful in fighting off a temptation or an attack of the devil yesterday, and you may be preparing for that same attack tomorrow. But he's not going to come at you the same way every single time. If he's facing defeat and defeat and defeat, guess what? He is a lot more cunning, a lot more subtle, a lot more deceptive than we know. And he's going to attack us from another front, even if he shows his hand over here. Run from the temptation. Get as far away from it as possible. The devil is creative enough to, creative enough to know that he has to change things up a bit in order to be appealing to us. We may think that we know how the temptation is going to come. We know what he's going to use. And we'll prepare ourselves for that attack, but he frequently, infrequently, uses the same methods. Don't plan on being strong. Plan on avoiding sin altogether. Far too many Christians are choosing to give themselves over to be slaves to sin, even though they've been purchased by the blood of Christ and have become eternal beneficiaries of God's grace. God wants us to live a better life. He wants us to walk in light, but many of us are choosing to walk down the dark alley instead. 
The precious minds that God has given us are being damaged, as well as these bodies. These physical bodies are being damaged, all of which he has given to us. And these bodies are intended to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We should be striving to live in such a way that we never do anything to hurt God or to cause him to be disappointed with us, especially after all that Christ has done for us. Christ's gift to us is never something that can be matched. The salvation that we have in him is never something that is earned. But what we can do is to know what Christ has done for us in the past, to know what he is doing for us right now in the present, and to know that he is physically going to return for us in the future. We may know these truths in our mind, but do we really realize them in our hearts? Are we asleep to these truths? Some of us need a wake-up call to remember what promises God has made to us. We have to be more in tune with what God has revealed to us in his word because without it, we'll never live confident lives here on earth. We'll constantly be consumed in fear and anxiety and worry, stress, discouragement, panic, you name it, you'll have it. Every little change in the world around us will almost lead us to be spiraling downward out of control. The only moments of comfort we will have will be fleeting because we'll be lacking the foundation we need when we're not living in Christ. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're living in Christ. Christ does all the work to bring you salvation, but living in Christ once you're saved is contingent upon each individual and every single day, moment by moment. God has given us the keys to have this fullness of life, but if we're not using these keys to unlock his blessings, we're daily going to struggle. So it's time for us to open up our eyes and to wake up. God's blessings are available to everyone who knows him, to everyone who trusts in him. So start living in Christ. Let the cares of the world melt away as the peace of God begins to fill your heart. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you. As feeble and frail as we are, Lord, and I speak to myself more than anything else. Lord, we're so insecure at times. And Lord, it's almost foolish of us as we think about why these feelings come why we allow worry anxiety and stress to consume us especially lord as we look back to your word and understand who you are lord you've never never taken a day off you don't slumber you don't sleep lord you're never indifferent to our case you know our frame you know how weak we are how fragile we are moment by moment And Lord, you continue to incline your ear to us. Your hand is all-powerful, and it is never shortened, that it cannot reach us, even where we are. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be opened, that we would indeed awake from our slumber, and to see, Lord, that you are true to your word, and that we are indeed living in the time between your first coming, Lord, and your return. That is a promise you made to us, Lord, so let us be on the lookout. Lord, I pray that we would be active in looking for your return, that we might be found faithfully serving you when that day does come, should it come in our lifetime. In Christ's name we pray.